0: Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko and Lawrence Connolly for another instalment of the Axom Bulletin. Never a dull moment. Let's get stuck right into it. Natasha Miko, you were part of a discussion just last night around the possibility of Peter Lowell remaining at Celtic Park, just not in the capacity of CEO. Um, sum up the discussion you've had. What's your feelings on that?
1: Yeah, so it's something that um, Pat Bonner and Tom English were debating um, the previous evening, the Sunday night, about whether Lowell would be staying in the board on in some sort of capacity. Would it be a formal role? Would he just be simply at the end of the phone for Dominic McKay? Um, and Tom English thought that this would be a good idea. Pat Bonner, on the other hand, thought it would be a terrible idea. Um, I was on last night discussing it with the Sports Sound team and, yeah, I've got to come down on the side of Pat Bonner on this one. Um, I think it would go down very badly if Celtic were to make an announcement and as part of that announcement, Peter Lawwell was going to be staying at the club. For a lot of the fans, me included, to be honest, Lowell must shoulder a significant amount of the blame for Celtic's downfall this season. Yes, he has brought us success in the past, but clubs like Celtic can't live on past success. Ultimately, Lawwell's the one that appointed the management team. He's the one overseeing the major decisions at Celtic and all of these decisions have been wrong over the last year you know arguably longer and this isn't a reaction to you know not winning the league this year yeah. Celtic fans have been critical of Low will for a number of years um So I don't think it would go down well if he was to finally be leaving after 17 years and then not actually leave. I get 100% that, you know, with appointments at this level, a transition period is needed. Mm -hmm. Lowell, you know, understandably, undoubtedly has a lot of experience, a lot of contacts, a lot of knowledge of the club. There needs to be a transition period. But that's why Mackay came in early to get that underway and to have that happen now. Do we need Lawwell to hang around after that? I don't think so. My concern is that we're bringing McKay in for fresh new ideas, a new perspective, a new influence, and having Lawwell in the background, regardless of what sort of role it is, could mitigate the effect that McKay coming in is going to have. Lawwell is known around the club as being the boss, the one in Mm. charge. If he's still about, that influencer perception is going to be hard to shift so my concern would be, regardless of what role Lawwell was potentially staying in, it could totally mitigate the impact of Mackay.
4: You know, this is something Natasha, that came up, I think last week on one of the Axom bulletins, um, almost as a what-if scenario. Uh, we led it I think it was Thursday, actually, I spoke to JP and Declan about it. uh, And that was following some rumblings that were coming into Axom that this indeed may well have been in the works. So it was interesting to see how the the news has filtered into the mainstream media, as it were. Um, But it's great that you were part of that discussion. I'm looking at the the scenario and thinking, how on earth could someone, not only the ex-boss, as it were, because day-to-day he is running the football club, How could he be anything other than that? That's the biggest thing for me. So having your involvement and your influence in every aspect uh, of Celtic Football Club from who's going to be signed to where the smoking bus shelter is um, situated at the stadium, everything, I mean, that's micromanagement. How do you then switch that off and fulfil a completely different role? And I suppose the flip side of that. And I'm going to bring this one over to Lawrence here. The flip side would be, yes, we are in a situation where it has been an absolute disaster of a season. Um, And also, and a lot of these discussion points will feed into other discussion points as we go on. It's easy to forget the good um, aspects of what Peter Lowell brought to the club. So here's a man who has been called by uh, those at Leon as one of the the best negotiators in world football um, yes we have turned a profit on various players and let's not forget somehow we managed to get our money back for Patrick Klamala apparently so he is good at, at, at that aspect um, however surely Lawrence and I've got to say I agree with Natasha on this one surely a clean break is required here
5: I think yeah transition period I wouldn't be really expected to same to stay on for that but yeah, I think is right. You know, it needs to be a defined transition period. I think if he was to be announced that he was staying on in an indefinite role, you know, this is his new position at the club, it's not going to get done well at all. With the fans, n- never mind uh, how it plays with Dominic Mackay, you know, when he's doing something and someone running away to Peter with stories. And, yeah, it's transition period, advisory capacity, defined term, then moved on, that's it. Uh, and I think transition period at this Level's about six months, isn't it? So hopefully be gone for the new season.
4: Again, these things come into us and we're um, always reminded of all the great work that Peter Lowell did at the club. But Jungle Lion um, comes in to say he got well paid for that. He certainly did. He certainly did. Um, And I think that we're moving into an area uh, of where we are at Celtic, Natasha, where... I'm not going to refer to individuals as dead wood um, or rot, but there is a rot setting in at the club. There's a whole culture change required. Let's go back to the big um, culture argument that you know we've been talking about right back to when Neil Lennon questioned the culture of Celtic when things started to go awry this season. In order to make that culture, a big part of that culture change is, is the managerial aspect of it. Because you know if you change certain people within uh, an organisation, the culture, you know, it could actually remain the same. You've got to have a, a root and branch change. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, I think he's our jumping the gun here. You know, a Celtic supporter saying that we need to completely restructure from top to bottom. But in order to change the culture, which has, you know, slowly and gradually crept into Celtic Football Club, Natasha, the biggest part of that, you know, beyond the football aspect, beyond the new manager, and we will get on to that, um, because I've not heard any updates recently. Um, I think the, the main part of changing the culture will be to change not only uh, the CEO, but also it's time to, to move on. Peter Law, you thank him for everything that he's done, you criticise him for all the errors that have been made, particularly this season, but we move on.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it, Paul. And you know, in any business, there is a reason that there tends to be a limit on how long a board member, a chief executive, spends at a club. Because you need that new perspective, you need it to be cyclical, you need to bring in new new faces, fresh ideas, a new perspective, and you'll see it in any sort of business that a CEO has a maximum term. Peter Lawwell's been at the club for around 17 years now, that's far too long in any business, never mind the football club, which is perhaps more ever-changing than any other business. So it is time for him to move on. But he needs to move on completely. If now isn't the time, then I don't know what is. Obviously, this season was going to be the time. Regardless, a perfect fairy tale ending would have been for Celtic to have completed the 10, for Neil Lennon to move on, for Scott Brown to move on, for new faces to come in, for Peter Lowell to move on. We've not had that fairy tale ending, but that doesn't take away from the fact that these people still need to and are going to move on. Neil has already moved on, Scott Brown's on his way out. Peter Lawwell does have to be the next piece in this puzzle to also move on. Mackay's been in, I know he's not been in for very long. You know, get two, three, four months working with Lawwell before taking over. That's fine then to let him be in that position and run with it. Now, I'm not saying that if he ever has a question that comes up, Peter Lawwell won't be at the end of a phone. If Celtic ever need to utilise a connection of Peter Lawwell's, I'm sure that from time to time, there will be no harm in picking up the phone to Peter Lawwell. And I have no issues with that. Where I do start to have an issue is the suggestion that he must remain in some position of significance on the board because that's far too formal and that keeps his influence very high. And Celtic fans, are, you know, Already been critical of the influence Peter Lawwell has, perhaps in areas he shouldn't have influence in, you know, transfer dealings and things like that. His presence in a formal role, director on the board, non executive director, whatever it is, that presence is probably going to be too much for the fans to be happy with. And right now, Celtic. Need to stop doing things that make the fans unhappy. It's quite—it's you know that simple bottom line. On the pitch, they're making the fans unhappy. Off the pitch, they're making the fans unhappy. They need to turn this tide and start you know having a, a momentum shift back to doing things that stop making the fans unhappy. If we come out you know at the end of this social media silence with any announcement of Peter Lowell staying, I think the fans would despair, to be honest.
4: You know, I, I agree to the, the point where an AGSC technology videos um, agrees also that Lowell being on speed dial for Mackay is no big issue. In fact, you would expect it, wouldn't you? You, you yeah. actually, you know, I when think. somebody has been embedded in the club and every aspect of the club for so long, you would absolutely expect that. My big concern, and I have nothing to back this up, this isn't me dropping in intelligence and information received, etc. My big concern is that uh, Peter Lowell, obviously had been working very hard on uh, other options for Celtic outside of Scottish football and the Atlantic League is something that Dermot Desmond um, came out fairly recently and said we are no longer part of that what then ensued was everything we've seen in relation to the European Super League uh, announcement and, you know, everything that happened thereafter. Uh, and what what is still happening at clubs like Manchester United, who, you know, it's almost sparked their fans into action against the owners of the club. But the discussion after the European Super League um, faltered was one of a British Super League. So... I'm merely reading between the lines here this is not information received or anything like that but if the club were to look at the work that Peter Lawwell had done in relation to putting together a proposal for Celtic to be part of a super league outside of Scottish football and the announcement comes in that that is the route that we're going to take and Peter Lawwell was going to be heading it Natasha um, is that something that could possibly be accepted or would that actually make matters worse?
1: Oh, I think it would make matters worse to be honest um, I don't think there's going to be any acceptance of this at the moment and you know you could debate that it, it could be helpful it couldn't I think the fans are so far down the line now of needing this current regime to move on that it's going to be very hard to come back to and if Celtic come out and put forward you know, a solid well-balanced reason for it being in place I still don't think that the Celtic fans are going to take well to it. Um, I think, like I said, I think we're far too down the path of needing the season to be over, the current regime to be over, a fresh start to be in place. Um, That that has to be the only option from here.
4: The other thing that's a concern, and I'm going to throw this one to Lawrence, because I think you mentioned it some time ago, Lawrence, is let's take the Eddie Howe scenario. um, And... Eddie Howe's obviously got his links to Brennan Rodgers, he spent time in his own coaching development shadowing Brennan Rodgers he's already said um, that he's still in touch with Brennan Rodgers and we know the relationship that uh, Rodgers had with Peter Lovell how damaging could that be, Lawrence, to any uh, prospective managers coming in, doing their own due diligence, speaking to previous managers at the club who may not have had a good relationship
5: with Peter Lobel? I think we, we spoke about this back in October, November. Any manager's going to speak to Brendan Rogers or Martin O'Neill when they're coming in and what kind of recommendation they're going to give? If we talk about a culture change, do we need to. The things that have annoyed the manager, getting players in too late for European qualifiers? Mm. Not getting your first target. How often do we not get a first, second, and third t- choice targets out of a season? You know, players signed that you don't know anything about. I'm not too sure which, you, you know, we've, we've covered it quite a bit. What kind of manager wants to work under those circumstances? Listen, you can identify your targets, but score out the top three because you won't be getting those. You know, you may get somebody you know nothing about, but don't worry about that. And once you've had some of the biggest games of your season, we'll then get your players you know, and it's not just managers, that really frustrates I think the whole support. Going well, you know, we're getting up for a European Champions League qualifier and we're not, we've not made any silence.
4: Yeah, we're going to be crazy. lining up for our next one we're near beat on at centre-half again. We're, we're going to come into this, right, because there's loads to talk about. We're going to be speaking about Scott Brown. We're going to be speaking about the state of the Celtic squad, uh, not just the performance of the weekend and many of the performances this season, but the entire squad and the, the kind of job that's required. Have a wee chat around the, the John Kennedy post-match. Natasha had to go onto the Celtic website to pick that one out. Mm-hmm. And um, also the David Turnbull announcement that he's in, there the shortlist for the young player of the year and then again tie that into the, the actual um, transfer policy that we've had and whether or not that should change now I'm going to bring in a couple of names here of ex-celts that I know are divisive figures within the support because there has been a couple of them in the, in the uh, press recently, First, first up is Andy Walker now, I know Andy Walker is disliked by a great number of Celtic supporters. I remember he came out in January and spoke about the Dubai trip. Natasha was very succinct in his views about that. And it would appear, although not confirmed by the club, that Andy mm-hmm. Walker has been banned from Celtic Park. Now, this goes back quite a while, actually, where I was party to a conversation. And I'm going back to 2011-12, where um, Andy Walker was speaking about the fact that Celtic, it was on the back of Celtic launching a season ticket campaign, and he was heard to say that in the press, Celtic fans don't need a season ticket. they can. Ju- this week
0: on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Just walk up to the park, buy a ticket, and go in these days. And the club were very, very unhappy with Andy's comments. Now, since then I don't think the relationship's got any better. Uh, to the point though that you're banning a pundit, an ex-player, a pundit from Celtic Park. Now Here is the uh, arguments for and against that Now you may or may not like Andy Walker Andy Walker, believe it or not Is a Celtic fan, has been all his life uh, But he's also a pundit who criticises Celtic As is the next Excel I'll be speaking about So if he is banned from the club Obviously he will be on media duties elsewhere, that's fine What if a Celtic state of mind continually criticised the club Um, for their wrongdoings. What if a Celtic state of mind continually criticise the fact that we went to Dubai, um, that we sold the fans down the river for ten in a row that we failed to capitalise on what Brennan Rodgers had built at Celtic and that we failed to act all season what if we continue because we've been criticising them all season for it Natasha does that mean that we're going to be um, locked out of Celtic as well and if so is that only as pundits and not as fans we'll still take our money as fans but we're not allowed to get any press conferences as pundits for want of a better word where do you sit on that banning pundits for for giving their opinion or criticising the club
1: I'm sure our money will always be very welcome so I'm sure we'll get back in Um, but touching on what you say about Andy Walker perhaps for the first time in many many years I sat and listened to Andy Walker's comments about Celtic on Dubai and thought you know I agree with him here. For once, he has accurately summarised the view of the fans and he is representing the fans. He called the club detached. He said it was arrogant. He said that the club had a moral obligation not to have done that during a global pandemic while the fans were suffering. And I sat and listened to that and thought, you know, for the first time, Andy, I fully agree with you here. And that was the point that Celtic chose to call him out on his comments and disagree with him. The first time he actually represented what the fans thought, that was what Celtic took issue with. I mean, for me, that just highlights how out of touch the club is with the feeling of the fans. So if that's what it took to to ban him from Celtic Park, apparently that concerns me. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, you can't go banning pundits for things like that. I mean, come on. starting to get a bit propaganda isn't it are we only going to let people comment on the club who say positive things Mm -hmm. are we only going to have journalists in who will then report back pre-approved messages from the club or the board are we only going to get in if we say what the board want us to say like no we can't have that That that's not a balanced media of of any sort.
4: No I think you make a good point and I'll come to Lawrence on this as well Um, I think for the moment everybody that's watching because before we even came on and I said that we are going to speak about this people were coming in saying, oh Andy Walker is banned from Celtic, best news I've heard in ages I know there's a feeling around Andy Walker uh, and amongst the Celtic support so for the moment, place that to one side place that to one side as it happens, I have had um, the uh, opportunity to speak to Andy for something I was doing previously and he was a lovely guy and he was quite clearly a Celtic supporter Uh, however You know, if people want to take um, issue with what he says, that's their entitlement. And I'm not disagreeing with that in any way, shape or form. However, whatever your personal feelings are around uh, Andy as a pundit, put them to one side for a moment and consider what Natasha's just said there. So what he said around the Dubai trip was what we were saying here in a Celtic state of mind, largely. Uh, And not just me, not just you, but, you know, we go out every day with different uh, contributors, I was saying pundits before. I, I don't know if we're pundits. I would say contributors. But we're all largely feeling the same way around uh, the Dubai trip. And very few people were disagreeing with that. So Andy Walker was saying what we were all feeling. And as you see, if that is the straw that broke the camel's back, you know, they've had an issue with them since 2011, 2012, to my knowledge. But that's the one thing that they took offence with. And I know that Neil Lennon called them out. On the, on the press conference, remember the famous press conference or infamous press conference following Dubai if that's what it is then I do think that there is an even bigger disconnect um, to what the, the fans are feeling so what we've got there is we're banning pundits we're sending out tweets being half of nothing etc and I actually, I'm going to go back to what Tony Haggerty said about that tweets don't win titles I think this is small time behaviour from Celtic I really do people may disagree and that's fine I'm expecting that I'm expecting some people to disagree with me here but I think this is small time behaviour Lawrence what's your feelings on that?
5: <laughs> well see, I quite like Andy Walker uh, part of the double winning team even when he came back Hamden season you know he done his a turn uh, I think it gives an honest opinion both the things you've highlighted 2011 you could walk up to the ground and get a ticket in the street you know it was true <laughs> you, you know the bye comments are true <laughs> Are we banning people for telling the truth? Or, or do we fall out for them when we tell tell us a, a truth we don't like? And, and from a PR side, I just think it's disastrous. You know, Celtic's PR's been amateur at best, but surely you're better, even if you don't like what he's saying, you're better trying to manage that relationship. You know, better in the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in, you know. it's But we, we're just you know, burning bridges with the media. I, I don't know why he would do that. I don't see anything he's done that's deserving of it. You know, there's certainly uh, pundits out there that have been more comments about Celtic that are completely inaccurate, that haven't been banned from there's, Celtic there's Park. There's
4: larger issues, Lawrence, isn't there, that we've not dealt with?
5: Oh, huge, you know, thugs and thieves. Remember the, the, the newspaper headline? The, 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 there's huge issues out there uh, to ban uh, a guy that was a great player for Celtic and largely as far as I can see he gives a, a, an open and honest frank opinion you don't need to agree with it all the time but his opinion seems to be kind of deeply held he's, he, I don't think he's got an agenda against this. I wouldn't say so and if this is a thing that's done it it's just crazy and who's running our PR department well,
4: well you know what's interesting we've spoken we've, we've used the big C word culture this is the culture of the club whereby you disagree with us therefore we're going to close you down we're going to shut you out my my, um, kind of argument to that is are they going to do the same with us not that we've ever had any kind of level of access to a degree we've been called in a couple of times recently but in the last two days we've been very critical of uh, Dermot Desmond and Peter Lowell and again we're all sitting here saying that Peter Law shouldn't be at the club. Does that mean that uh, our opinion doesn't count and we're not going to be invited to any of the uh, future press conferences? Time will tell on that. Let's have a look on some of the comments coming through. Uh, Brian Watt, welcome to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. The one time Andy Walker hits the nail on the head and the club ban him. I did feel a bit like that, actually. You know, when, when um, I heard this news, it's not confirmed by the club. I don't think they would confirm it, to be honest. Um, Cap Law Mark, Andy Walker was one of our players, um, he was a supporter as well, and he's well entitled to his opinion, agree or disagree, and there's quite a few coming in, uh, for example here, uh, so you're okay with Andy Walker going in Sky Sports, stating we hate the Queen, actually that's okay, well I think that this hasn't been uh, made, this decision hasn't been made on an isolated Uh, Sorry, on on the overall issue, otherwise it would have happened long before now, as I say. The club took issue with some comments Andy made back almost 10 years ago. So it would appear that this is an isolated incident that has resulted in the decision being made. So, previous comments that he's made disagree or agree. Um, I know that there are a lot of Celtic or ex-Celts that seem to... Stick the boot into our club time and time again. Um, and there are others who stand up for the club to the point, for example, when Neil Lennon's uh, tenure was untenable. Um, at that point, for example, John Hartson continually supported Neil Lennon, continually supported him. You know, and that's loyal, that's uh, loyalty to his friend and his ex teammate. But then there comes a point where Big John said, you know, Actually, it's time to go. There comes a point, I think, where criticism is, is due at Celtic. As, as much as I, I hate hearing it, sometimes it is due. And if this is all around the Dubai trip, and as I say, that's not been confirmed yet by the club. But if it is around that, I think this is harsh. I do. I think it's harsh treatment. But I also think it says a lot about the culture that exists within the club. And we can feed that point into the previous point because Peter Law was created that culture from the very top, Natasha, is not he?
1: Yes, he has. Um, And I think I have to agree with what you've said on it being small time, Paul. The club need to be able to accept criticism. This season has been a disaster and there's absolutely no getting around that. And nobody can, you know, with good conscience, report back on Celtic this season in any sort of positive light. What's Andy Walker meant to do, or any other pundit meant to do after the Dubai debacle or any other disastrous performance? Come out and talk positively about it? No, like these pundits are paid to give their opinion. Similarly, as we come on here and give our opinion, it is simply that. It's an opinion on the goings on at the club. And right now, the vast, vast majority of people's opinion is that it isn't very good. If the club can't handle hearing that without banning people for it, then that sets a dangerous precedent and again comes back to the culture of the club. And probably echoes what Walker has been saying about them being arrogant if you can't take criticism if you can't take someone calling you out when you get it wrong that screams of arrogance to me Um, and that's the sort of culture at the club that I I would like to see removed
4: Now I'm going to ask anyone who disagrees with us to make comments I don't want the comments to be too one-sided and I appreciate that the ones i brought up probably um, in the main have been agreeing with what we're saying so if you disagree with that make your comments in the comments section and um, we'll bring them into, into play and into the discussion Kenny 67 Andy Walker knows the high standards Celtic should adhere to and are failing to reach and the imposters at our club don't like the truth. Um, so there's a lot of kind of support for uh, Andy Walker, actually, in this scenario. But if you do disagree, come in and let us know. We know we did have uh, one comment coming in saying that um, he has said our fans don't like the Queen. I don't remember that particular comment. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember that comment. So um, I know that he's been very critical over the piece. I don't feel that the way to deal with that is by banning him. I think that there's bigger problems at Celtic Park that we could be dealing with, and there's no way I'm going to make the viewers suffer. Uh, a segue from Andy Walker to Charlie Nicholas. So I'll going to a different point before I do that. Um, David Turnbull is in a shortlist, Lawrence Connolly, uh, for the Scottish Football Writers' Young Player of the Year, and he's up there with Nathan Patterson, uh, Lewis Ferguson, and Josh Doig. Now, of the other three names. For obvious reasons, I would uh, I would sign two of them if we had the opportunity to sign two of those players. The success of David Turnbull, the disaster of some of the big name signings like Diego Laxalt from clubs such as AC Milan, buying players from the EPL, all the razzmatazz surrounding that. Does it show that perhaps Celtic need to get back to basics on this? We can actually get players
5: from within Scottish football that will improve our side. Yeah, we can. And it uh, depends who's handling the recruitment, doesn't it? No, couldn't get John McGinn. He was in Scottish football for some reason. We couldn't get him over the line. But I think we should be looking at Ferguson, who looks tidy. Doy, I've not watched this much of. But, yeah, he, he, he's an option. But, you know, what, what about... Uh, Forward for Hibs, Kevin. He's what 15 16 goals. You you know, you've you've got to look everywhere. I I don't know, you know, what the scouts and the Scotch network are doing, but if he's scoring that for Hibs, we're struggling up front. How much did we pay for Paddy? A bio, there or thereabouts? Two million for bio. Yep. It's got to be a better option and cheaper. You know, he's you know, got to be a better option and cheaper. You're not what, worried about settling in Scotland then, either, are you? You're thinking, well, I've seen an easy move for him. So, yeah, we should be looking at these clubs and, you know, if they're on the young player, the, the, the year shortlist are there for a reason. Uh, and it's, well, they're one of the better players in the league.
4: No, exactly. I just think. Our policy obviously has evolved over the years, Natasha. You look back to the team that Andy Walker played in, you know, largely made up of Scottish, um, Irish and English players. And you know now there there was so many reasons for the influx of overseas players, um, and it worked for a long time for Celtic. It certainly did, but I just think we need to strike a better balance. You can look at even in the near history some of the players that have come in from other Scottish sides, not necessarily Scottish, but from Scottish sides. Like Scott McDonald came in, scored thirty odd goals in a season. Um, You know, even Tony Stokes, Lee Griffiths. We've had successes coming in from other Scottish clubs. Somebody's going to point out that we bought. Griffiths from Wolves um, because I know he had been at uh, Hibs on loan but when we're looking at players that we've kind of missed out on McGinn being the big one Lawrence as you mentioned and uh, it only takes a a matter of time when we're talking about Peter Lowell to mention John McGinn, (laughs) uh, James McCarthy, um, Stephen Fletcher, there are players that would have improved their team Um, but I think that moving into this post-Covid world, Natasha, we really do need to look at some of the better Scottish uh, youngsters. Um, You know, I I look at the Hibs Mm -hmm. left back, Doig, Mm-hmm. And if we were to bring him in, and by the way, I'm going to look at the defence in a moment or two because I think it is, you know, we're, we're in the worst state that we've been in in my Celtic supporting life actually when we come to the defence next season. Um, let me jump over just to, to give you the options. Should we sell Chris Ayer for next season? Here are our options. So it will be Bane or Barkas in goals, or Ralston or O'Connor returning from Tranmere Rovers at right back, Taylor or Bolling at left back once he's fit, Welsh or Hield, who's 17 years of age and playing at Ross County on loan, Hendry or Beaton. Now, that is frightening, that we have allowed the, the mismanagement of this squad to get to the stage where that's our first and second choices, as we sit and we know that there's going to be transfer business done. But I look at Taylor or Bolling Doig would at least be the second Choice there, and he would be pushing for the the first team jersey. There's nothing wrong with looking at the Scott Brown situation and saying, well, Lewis Ferguson would bolster our midfield. I I just think we need to look differently at the transfers now.
1: I think that's right, and you only have to look at the long list of players that we've signed for millions of pounds from overseas clubs to look at what a waste a lot of it has been. I think you've got to strike the right balance. Um, I think there's certainly better buys in Scotland who have proven themselves in the Scottish League that could come in and do a job for Celtic. I think you have to probably supplement that and complement it with better quality players, you know, from overseas leagues. If we have a squad with players like Turnbull, Ferguson, Doig, let's look at Ali McCann at St Johnston, who's having a great season, players like that and supplement them with players at the level of Ayer and Edward. That's the sort of balance we need to be looking at. You know, in the same in the same vein, I do accept that we bought from the Scottish League before. Let's use the example of Nadir Chishti. He was doing well in the Scottish League. That didn't work when we brought him over to Celtic. Um, That didn't work at all. So there is risk. It doesn't mean if somebody is doing well for another team in Scotland, they're automatically going to come in and do well for Celtic. It's a big step up. It's a different level and there's much different expectations. But I think there has to be that balance that I've talked about, that balance of, yes, looking at the better players in our league and complementing them with good finds from the European leagues. Now, the key issue we're having here is we're not finding the good players from the European leagues anymore. We're not finding the Wanyamas and the Van Dykes and the Dembellis. We need to try and get back to that. We need to start bringing more players from our youth system through not had many of them come through recently you know if Stephen Welsh is doing okay that's perhaps the exception Mikey Johnston might prove to be okay next year so if we can strike the right balance of taking the better players from the Scottish teams improving our youth system and having product come through from there and finding those hidden gems in Europe that's the recipe for success Saying it a thousand times easier than doing it but I think that's the sort of model that Celtic need to look at
5: yeah, without a doubt, Lawrence. See, I mean, if you look at defense, we need a, definitely need a new keeper. You know, I, I, I just don't see Bain, and I don't see what we've been gaining by playing him. It was either, you know, he's it, it, just not to class. at first goals poor left back. I'm quite happy with Taylor. I, I think Bongol's bridges are probably burned, but who knows what a new manager does? Jack Henry, If he, I don't know how he is after that tackle the weekend, but best defender in Belgium. You know, perhaps he's got a future uh, if he's going over there and putting in those kind of performances. Julian will be out for a while, mm-hmm. but, you know, I don't know if he'll want to stay. You know, Welsh is a third-choice centre-back isn't, isn't the worst. Uh, right-back, we're going to have issues, I think, because uh, O'Connor's been... Has he, has he been playing defensive mid at Tranmere? He's been playing um, in midfield and also at right-back. Back. Yeah. So,
4: I think Tony Ralston... The, the confusing thing is there's two O'Connor's at Tranmere Rovers, so...
5: All oh, right, so team sheet, I'm not sure, but uh, listen, listen, Tony Ralston I think his time's probably gone, so it's right back. And if we kept Iyer, that's where I'd shove him. But uh, yeah, d- 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 you know, a- a- another strong centre half, a-, a-, a right back, and a keeper, you-, you could be settled enough, couldn't you? And, and if you sell Iyer. <laughs> And if it, looks likely, people, it
4: looks, like doesn't it it looks yeah.
5: likely that we will sell them. you know. Um,
4: listen, we want as much balance as possible. So, you know, if uh, Topherd's 85, season 2021, the year sitting talking nonsense on a podcast qualifies you to run a football club. Is that you, Peter? Anyway, what I would say <laughs> is if you go to a restaurant and you buy a meal, right, you can still critique the meal knowing that the person that cooked it is a far better chef than you. Um, no, you've got to have your opinions. I'm not, I'm not mocking you, pal. You've got to have your opinion. Um, and when it's Celtic, and we're talking about Celtic, a club that we're all passionate about, then you, know, you could have absolutely no idea how to run a football club, but you know that the way that our club is being run at the moment you know, and the amount of fans who are unhappy with that, then yeah, come on and air your views. Um, what would you do differently if anything, top pair? What would you do differently at Celtic, um, or are we just all talking nonsense on a daily basis? There's there's plenty of nonsense being spoken. Um, I, I certainly won't deny that, but there's a lot of sense in there as well um, if you listen out. So if we're looking at the, the David Turnbull scenario, then Natasha comes in um, against Leo, performs very very well, and again, you know. Your mind can play tricks. he would had a few games before. He'd started against St Johnstone up at McDermott Park, didn't play that well. But he certainly came into a game after that European performance. And I felt that when he came in, that him and Sorrow looked tremendous, as if they were giving us a wee bit of uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Sorrow's obviously fallen by the wayside for the time being. And we'll talk about Scott Brown in a moment or two. But David Turnbull, I look at him and I'm, I'm looking at that Celtic squad and who we're going to build this new Celtic team around, he's like the jewel in the crown for me, David Turnbull.
1: Yes, he's certainly one of the promising things that have come out of this season. I can't get carried away with his performances to be honest. Um I was excited when he came in at the start and I thought, yes, this he is really gonna work. We've really, you know, picked a good one here. He slightly disappointed me over the last few weeks, I have to say, but with that in mind, who hasn't? Who hasn't? It's very difficult to pull a performance out of the bag when the whole team are performing like that. I completely understand that. So it has sort of, you know, tempered my view on Turnbull slightly over the last few weeks. But he is one that is going to be here next season. He is a good player. Is he an excellent player? He perhaps can be. He perhaps can be. He's got potential to turn into a Stuart Armstrong type of player. He's not there right now, but I'm certainly willing to give him time, definitely in a new team and definitely under a new management structure, to reach that potential and to perhaps become that Armstrong type of player. If we get two or three seasons out of him and he fancies a move down south, That's our model now. So again, I wouldn't have too many issues with that. So yes, Turnbull for me is one of the names that is going to be on the team sheet next season. um, And it really is going to depend on what we put around him is it going to be sorrow? We've tried to find a Scott Brown replacement for how many years now and we've not been able to mm-hmm. and unfortunately we've just not seen enough of sorrow this season to know if it is going to be him and if he's capable of doing that when he first started getting his chance I thought great, we need to see him we need to see if he is capable of fulfilling that position mm-hmm. unfortunately it dropped right out of the picture again so we've not had a chance to do that and we can criticise that as well really as one of Kennedy's decisions not playing Sorrow and playing continuing to play Brown, because I personally would have liked to have seen more of Sorrow. Again, Sorrow isn't getting enough chance for me to to really properly assess him for next season. I know he got a bit of time at the end of the Rangers game there. And I think he probably did more than Brown um, when he came on. I think he's got that energy, that drive. Um, he gets stuck in and Paul Brown just looks slightly off the pace. So Tor- Sorrow and Turnbull for me, definitely two to keep strongly in the mind as a centre midfield pairing for next year but it's really going to depend what we put around them, isn't it
4: it definitely is now I did ask for some balance on the Andy Walker debate and Stephen McNulty's come in to say Andy Walker is a disgrace his punditry makes him out to have been a superstar our youth policy on the other hand has recently been a waste of time we are a feeder group for SPFL and lower leagues so I know and always knew that the Andy Walker debate would uh divide opinion. I I just think as a football club we need to, you know, rise above that kind of thing, you know, banning specific pundits um uh from from the stadium or from the from the ground. And then particularly if that, that person has been an ex-player at Celtic. I find that a very difficult one. So um, I'm sure that debate will rage on. I'm going to have to use that as a segue because you brought up the Scott Brown situation, Natasha, into some of the comments that have been made around Scott Brown, again from ex celtics Now, I'll start to try and cushion the blow um, by using the comments made by Andy Lynch First of all, good pal of mine Andy um, Having worked with him on his autobiography And he doesn't reckon that Scott Brown will be a big loss He won't be missed Lawrence Connelly, How can you say that about a Celtic legend Someone who's won I think 22 trophies at the club I mean the club are asking us to go to the St Johnston game And you know give them banners of support And a farewell to Scott Brown he is a legend surely he's going to be
5: missed listen I'd say he was a legend I'd probably say he was missed this season where was he you, you, you know it wasn't the Brown of old this season was it no too, too few games did he turn up so I, th- I think yeah But we, we tried one season too long Natasha's touched on it Kennedy why wasn't he playing Sorrel? especially when he'd come in and done well what was the future especially after you know what was that again especially after Brown had announced he was yeah. moving to Aberdeen play Sorrel. well then out of the cup what's that again? <laughs> again sticks out so when it sticks with brown you, it, it, it's a strange one why we we won't put solo in and uh, you know let's have a decent look look at him and see what he can do there's words that you know Spurs are maybe might be sniffing around him it's it's baffling really kenny's kind of decision making on a wide down is that surprising about
4: you, the sports is that just paper talk do you think could be just paper and talk they're looking
5: at him thinking we can do a one yamo on him yeah l- l- listen there could be possible. The, the, what you've seen of him you know he covers the ground quickly I know we gave away a goal at the weekend maybe he was a bit rusty but his distribution generally is alright he, he's going to tackle he closes the game down well so they're maybe saying that you know the boy's got some talent That could be a bargain and get picked up there. He's not really playing at Celtic. Maybe there's a deal to be done, so they could be looking at that. Which would be a shame if we went on elsewhere and we missed out on. Well, I mean, how many games has he played now? It's not a lot, is it? You no. It's, the big thing for me is you've
4: got the analytics, and people can give you all the figures, and uh, you use them and utilize them to to craft out your view on certain players. And I think after the game or during the game, I was watching uh, Brown's performance. I was pretty critical of Scott Brown. Um, he's just not at the races a lot of the time. He's not tracking back. Uh, when you look at the movement of Ryan Kent, for example, he's leaving Brown for dead time and time again. I think when you bring on Sorrow, Sorrow gets much more. Touch- tight to the player but the one thing with me and, and Soro that I'm, I am concerned about and I raised this is that he gives away so many needless fouls you know he just niggles and niggles and you think that he's going to be in the referee's book within 20 minutes especially when you look at the referee at uh, the weekend ones. Um he's going to be in the referee's book pretty quickly and maybe that was on the mind of John Kennedy going into that game I hope it wasn't sentimental but Brown was way off the pace Natasha and to be honest with you I, I thought it was a sad um, ending to his his uh, big time if you want to call it that Celtic career it was the biggest game yeah. he was going to have between now and end of the season it was sad to see him so yeah. off the pace
1: It was. um, And, you know, I do actually put a bit of blame on Celtic for this. We haven't adequately replaced Brown and haven't given Sorrow the chance to be his replacement. So we've had to continue to drag out a Scott Brown who has passed his best. And that's Celtic's fault, you know, putting Brown in that position that we've not been able to replace him, so he must play. He was off the pace. You know, there's no taking away from what Scott Brown has done for the club over the past, however many years it's been now, you know, 14 years or whatever it is. Every fan can recognise that and thank Scott Brown for everything he's contributed. He has been an incredible servant to the club and one of these modern-day legends. No taking that away from him at all. He was off the pace at the weekend. He is past his best. Will we miss him on the park? going by this season's performances perhaps not but it's no way possible to say that Celtic won't miss Scott Brown next season and the impact of someone of that stature around the club we've said on the show many times before there must have been a role for Scott Brown next year i don't say he needs to to play every game or any game or maybe 20 minutes here and there is going to be more suitable But there must have been some sort of capacity for Scott Brown to remain in a coaching role behind the scenes. That sort of influence is something I think we're really going to miss next season. I don't know who at the club is going to have that presence and is going to be that figure. I mean, we've touched on it a million times. The rebuild project is massive. The instability is going to be massive. Losing a presence like Scott Brown... Is going to be missed, and I don't know how you can say otherwise.
4: It definitely will be missed, and we'll get on to Tyler Nicholas's comments in a second or two. But again, for balance, I've mentioned Lewis Ferguson. I've I've always liked what I've seen with with Ferguson. He's not a finished product yet. Uh, Zinko comes in to say that he agrees with Lazarus. Lewis Ferguson is not that good. He is average at best. And John Paul Connors Ferguson, although good, is onto a loser. If teams plays badly, he will get slated, regardless of whether it's his fault or not, because His family best to stay away. I do think that he is one of the best talents, certainly, in the league. Uh, Doig is only 18 Reminds uh, us uh, Paul Caldwell. Yeah I think he's a He's a brilliant talent I mean you look at The amount of games That he's actually played This season But your point there You look at Scott Brown As we sit here 41 appearances this season Natasha uh, Near Beaton Who I think's about Seven years younger And uh, who can Be utilised in the same position Whether or not You think it's as good um, 21 appearances So when you look at how A player's been managed Natasha 21 appearances mm-hmm. for Beaton 41 for Brown, and I know there's been injury uh, issues there as well. But I don't think we've managed Scott Brown ever since, you know, even Brendan Rodgers' his last season. He's played far too much football.
1: Yeah, and that's it, and that's what I've touched on. It's not fair on Scott Brown that Celtic are putting him through this. Um, I'm sure Scott Brown, the type of person he is, will want to continue playing and giving everything he can for the club, so I don't think he would say it's unfair. But in, in some way, it is, and it's not the first time that Celtic have done this we didn't have a replacement for Tierney so Tierney constantly had to play using painkilling injections and play when perhaps he shouldn't have because we didn't adequately have a backup for him McGregor similarly, we've had to play him over the last few seasons In so many games, I remember reading the article that Celtic put out at one point, not last season, I think it was the season before, about how McGregor had played the most games for his club in European football. Mm. And they put it out as if that was some sort of accolade, as if that was a great achievement. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, what sort of achievement is that? If we've got to play this guy more than any other player in European football because we have nobody who can step in and do his role in any game, you know, be it a lower cup round or be it you know, to a lower team in the league. We had nobody else who could do his role, so he still had to play all those games. To me, that's not an accolade. That's, that's a failure in having squad depth. And again, we failed in not having squad depth in terms of a replacement for Scott Brown. So the fact that he is still playing this amount of games this season at his age is a failure by the club to adequately replace him.
4: It is. I mean The McGregor question, let's drop him against Ross County in the Cup. It's absolute it's nonsense. It really is. Now, to go on to a, a point being made by Mark Campbell, why are you talking about Ferguson and Doig when we have Henderson and Robertson give the kids a chance? Well, I agree with you, yeah yeah. I would love Celtic to give our own uh, youth players a chance but I think that's the reason why we're talking about Ferguson and Doig Ferguson got a game at Hamilton, he won himself a move to Aberdeen Doig has played plenty of games with him, so I think he had a, a loan deal at, at Queen's Park so at the age of 18, these guys have, have got a lot more games than our own 18 year olds and that's I think what the problem is, to be fair Mark but I would much rather, yeah, we just dipped into our own second string for our left back who has maybe already been managed into the team I mean, we threw Welsh in, uh, and he'd only had one appearance previous to that. You know, That should never happen. You, these guys should be managed into the team. Callum McGregor, over the last nine years, there's no way he had to play as, as much football as he did. There's plenty of games that you know um, you could bring in a, a, a player and have Callum McGregor on a bench in case things weren't going your way. But how many games did we win at a canter at home against you know the bottom half of the the table in the the league so many times and we didn't have to be given I think the was it 67 games or something that season you're referring to Natasha where he had played more football than anybody else in Europe and then you just need to look at Kieran Tierney whose name's been brought up a few times as well Kieran Tierney's injury problems it's almost as if he's going to have these injury problems throughout his career what's that down to the fact that we always played him the minute he came into the team he was never out of the team. Was it too much football? Uh, too much too young, as they said, back in the punk days, Lawrence. Now, I'm going to bring up Chaliklis. Um, and again, you know, he's another one of these players that Celtic fans like to maybe separate the, uh, the player from the pundit uh, rather than the man from the art. And he talks about... Um, Scott Brown isn't a legend at Celtic he says he's not a legend Natasha it's just incredible Um, and he also thinks that Sorrow's not good enough to replace him so Tella Nicholas hasn't got much nice words to say about Celtic at the moment (laughs) I I take offence with this though Lawrence and you might agree it goes on about how bad Celtic were the second time round when he played for them and by the way I've seen most of the games and I agree with them they were rotten Um, but he names Players that he played alongside. I mean, I played with Wayne Biggins, Carol Muggleton, Tony Cascarino, and get this Rudy Vata. Rudy was good mate. Rudy's but, not listen, part of that group Lawrence and, and
5: Muggleton uh, did he not set a shutout record in minutes he or something in the first seven games or so? he six or seven games I yeah. can't remember but no, Rudy was a decent player uh, and then he went on in the Bundesliga after us and had a few seasons in the Bundesliga uh, in Germany didn't he Rudy Vatter yeah. yeah the thing with Muggleton
4: he played 13 games and in those 13 games he conceded less goals than Arthur Boric now, I'm not saying he was a better goalie, <laughs> but, but I think he suffered from having an unfortunate yeah. name. Yeah. And, and he played in a very, very bad Celtic side. Uh, but I'm not having Rudy Vata. There's no, no chance no, no. I'm having Rudy Vata in that category.
5: No, Rudy was a decent player. Scored free kick at Hamden, I believe. Uh,
4: but, yeah. And by uh, the way, his son is. Uh, he scored the tearing up trees. Yeah, absolutely. His son? Natasha, Charlie's comments. Scott Brown's not a legend. That's just nonsense, isn't it?
1: Oh, come on, he surely is only saying that to keep his name in the newspapers. I have no idea how anybody who has watched Scott Brown over the last few years at Celtic and during his career can say he is not a legend. Um it is a word that is used far too regularly and far too easily in football at the moment but it's certainly not misused in the case of Scott Brown what he's achieved at Celtic is unlikely to ever be replicated you Mm. no longer get players who come to a club like Celtic and give it their whole career as much as he has done um, what he's achieved in terms of his trophy haul is just one aspect of what he's given and achieved for the club um, his presence on the pitch, off the pitch um, can only be commended and if Scott Brown isn't a legend of Celtic Football Club then I don't know who is because his contribution has been absolutely remarkable and I think the fans will always look back on that fondly so regardless of what Charlie Nicholas is trying to do with that statement um, yeah, Scott Brown is certainly a Celtic legend
5: yeah I mean uh, Invincible treble captain A true invincible Domestic season You, you know One where you don't Lose games uh, Quadruple treble Winning captain It's You know What, what do you have to do, what do you have That's to do just the you, last Four exactly. years When he's been and on he's, the
4: way He's one of only Twelve players To make more than 600 appearances For the club 500 appearances rather But he has actually Made over 600 So I disagree with you Charlie um, Edward Diver Let's have a wee look To see what Ed, Edward's saying Charlie was just a gold digger Not a Celtic grape Now the one thing I did learn about Charlie Nicholas is, you know, when I was growing up and I wasn't allowed to go to the games, Charlie was on everybody's tongue. This was first time round, Lawrence. He was, he was yeah. the the real poster yeah. boy for Celtic back then. You know, he scored something ridiculous in a season, fifty goals in a season. He was, he broke a leg. He was tremendous. Everybody wanted him: Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal, and obviously he went for the um, the bright lights of London. But interesting enough. Uh, having dug about and had the opportunity on one occasion to speak to Charlie Nicholas Celtic sold him and for years and years it was always that you know, Charlie was a gold digger back then and he wanted out of Celtic he had no decision he had absolutely no choice Celtic sold him If you believe Charlie, I'm not going to call him a liar You might disagree with his opinion But he didn't want to leave Celtic first time around He felt it was too early I remember reading reading one of Billy McNeil's autobiographies where he reckoned Nicholas was a more naturally gifted player than any other player that he had managed um, at Celtic So, you know the talent was undoubted. But when it comes away with things that you just can't back up, like Scott Brown's not a legend, you've just got to say, come on, Charlie. Um, and I know that the way that works, and it's a ghost-written piece for a tabloid, but he should be getting the sign off. And if he's unhappy with the wording of that, it shouldn't go out. Um, before we get on to John Kennedy and the whole managerial scenario, Natasha, it's taken us about 54 <sighs> minutes to talk <laughs> about Jeez. the manager. Um, the Celtic women's team are going from strength to strength. Another resounding victory at the weekend. 8
5: no, mate.
1: Yeah, brilliant, isn't it? Brilliant. There's a team who are still giving it absolutely everything to get themselves into, if not the... The top spot, second spot in that Champions League position. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, They're continuing to go from strength to strength. I think the performances are getting better every time I see them play. Um, Big weekend coming up because Glasgow City and Rangers actually play each other so those are the two teams ahead of Celtic at the moment, one of them or both of them are going to drop points and Celtic are hopefully going to capitalise on that and get themselves closer if not get that second place spot if Glasgow City wins so yeah, it's another big weekend in in the Women's League and I encourage anyone who's not already given a chance to to watch it, um, if it's not on somewhere like BBC Alipa um, then it'll certainly be a link available to watch it online which the Celtic women's team usually tweet out so keep an eye out for that, watch the women's game You know the links they put out usually are only 3 or £4, pounds. give it a go have a watch and watch a team with a, a lot of fight, a lot of desire a good amount of technical ability still competing in a competition that's all to play for so give it a go and, and have a watch
4: Oh, definitely. I, there's a lot of high-scoring games as well, and I think that comes down to, you know, the, there's really four strong teams in the league, uh, Glasgow City, Celtic, Rangers and Hibs. And when the others meet, anything can happen. You see scores sometimes going into double figures, and they're playing part-time teams though, Natasha, aren't they, a lot of the time? so That's,
1: um, that's the issue, yeah. there mm-hmm. is that, There is that massive discrepancy. You know, when I hear it compared to, well, you know, there's a big difference between the finances of Celtic and the finances of Hamilton. Yes, there is. But Celtic and Hamilton are both full time fo- professional football clubs in the men's sector of it. You can't compare that to Celtic women's team playing for You know those girls are part time. You know it's not professional. So there's a massively wider discrepancy there, which is why we do see the bigger scores. But only through you know promotion of the game and developing it can we can we start to make the league more competitive. And it's great now to have four really top teams competing rather than just the perhaps two or you know, one we've seen of previous years
4: 13 in a row for Glasgow City isn't it
1: yeah not shame.
4: we'll get some more comments coming in from uh, YouTube Facebook and Twitter Frank Brennan welcome to the show Frank get a grip everyone please Rudy Vata was an honest tryer but only ever average just like that Vida Reseth two years later the description average was specifically created for Vata and Reseth now I get what you mean he certainly wasn't a superstar uh, and there's loads of players like that who come in and there's a contribution but what I was trying to say he certainly can't be put in the category of uh, a Wayne Biggins or or a Tony Cascarino um, who for me were never anywhere near Celtic class and Rudy's got a great story as well hasn't he I mean he was an asylum seeker when when he came to Celtic and um, he, you know brilliant story and he's a great guy and I hope that we uh, have the privilege of seeing his son playing for Celtic's uh, first team in years to come now Andy Echo Scott we really are a small club of is class as a legend it's a difficult one to to describe because you can't define legend or great I think the only one that that's actually easy to say, is a, a cult icon. You can say someone's a cult icon. I think Rudy Vat is a cult icon. There you go. <laughs> um, and uh, But I think he is a legend, Andy, because you look at people who are generally respected as, as uh, legends within the history of Celtic Football Club, and they haven't achieved anywhere near as much as Scott Brown. Um, uh, and as I say, longevity there as well. In this day and age, in the modern day, that's unusual for a player to To be at a club for 14 years, what he's achieved, the games he's played. So I've got to disagree with you on this one, Andy. I think he is a Celtic legend, even though we've not seen the best of him this season. Now, John Kennedy is the final point that we want to discuss here. Natasha, now, there's a movie... There's a movie that maybe before some people's time who are tuning in from 1993 where Phil Connor says, I'm reliving the same day again and again. The movie was called Lawrence Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. So here's a couple of quotes from John Kennedy following the Rangers game. <laughs> now, these could have been actually uh, following any game this season. When the ball came into the box, we didn't defend it well enough. Our general play is fine. We need to stop conceding soft goals See, see the ball the, the the Is that the Rangers game At the weekend Natasha I mean,
1: Ugh, I mean yeah, Like you said that could have been any game this season We've been calling that out for months And months my question to him is Why aren't you fixing it then Okay but, well you were a coach Absolutely maybe you weren't the one in charge On the training ground you had influence Why didn't you fix it then Now you're the person in charge you're the manager why aren't you fixing it now we don't need you to tell us what the problems are we can all see them we've all been watching Celtic all season we know what the problems are we don't need you to tell us that we need you to fix it Um sadly he's he's not doing that it's a disappointment for me um, and I have been disappointed with Kennedy on the whole to be honest I think we're going to look back on over his his 10 games in charge and just see it as a bit of a missed opportunity for him you know there was a chance for him to stamp his own identity in the squad, He change the formation change the shape, bring in youth players be bold, go for two up front play Griffiths and Edward together at Ibrox he didn't do any of that he didn't really change anything the performances didn't really change the results didn't change To me, it looks a bit like he was trying to protect his own reputation, Mm. avoid any major defeats, keep the ship steady to the end of the season, which is a bit self-serving, if I'm honest. And it hasn't worked either, has it? What's that, three wins? That's not going to do him any favours. So yeah, a bit of a disappointing 10 games. I think we're going to look back on for John Kennedy.
4: We were talking um, earlier in the week about him just being bold and doing what he felt, you know, might have put his kind of authority and his style on the on the team. I mean, those words there could have been scripted by Neil Lennon that's the kind of thing we've been hearing all season. Um, people are coming in to agree and disagree with us here, Lawrence, which is always great. Uh, great crack on the bulletin. Monte comes in, Antar Boric is a god, I love that man. Well, I'm just waiting for somebody to say that uh, I compared him to Carol Muggleton <laughs> earlier on and said M- Muggleton was a better goalie, which I didn't say, obviously. Cherry Bombs, Cascarino on paper was a fantastic signing. Like Bratback, it just didn't happen. What I would say, Cherry Bombs, is uh, if you get an opportunity, read Tony Cascarino's Book. It's called Full Time. It's incredible, and he admits in there that by the time he came up to Celtic, um, he had an issue with his fitness, and he had a gambling issue at that time as well. And he really wasn't. His head really wasn't um, fully tuned into what Celtic were all about, and uh, it was probably a bad time for him to come up to the club. And obviously we suffered because um, you know
5: we spent a lot of money, record signing, but we did get Tommy Boyd from Lawrence. Indeed. Treble, another treble winning captain. The boutique is a legend. I would say so, but. Uh, Perhaps Treble one Captains aren't. I don't know, mate, but I would definitely count him. But yeah. JK saying, you know, our general play was fine, it's just balls into the box. Well, that's kind of general play you, you've got to guess that the opposition's going to try and put the ball in your box and score against you uh, I would precisely think, yeah you know it's and it's general defending as well. Uh, we're not going
4: we're, we're probably going to have to have another podcast to try and differentiate between a legend and um, a great Natasha because there's a lot of comments coming in about that but for me every day of the week Scott Brown legend. Uh, yes. And I uh, hope he's remembered as that as well, even though we've had a disappointing season. Listen, it's been very busy on the comments field, so thank you very much for getting involved via Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, it's always great on a, a Tuesday to catch up with Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko. Thank you both so much for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. <laughs>